He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night. And we have one great show for you today. This is a TriCast. This is... We're broadcasting out of 77 WABC Studios, and we're on 970 AM, The Answer, and on WLIR, the uh, number one show at 5 o'clock. And we have a common-sense Democrat in the, in the studio and a common-sense Republican, Judge uh, Richard Weinberg. And we have Craig Eaton, 10 years, the uh, GOP chairman of uh, Brooklyn, and a outstanding attorney. And uh, my sidekick, we have Lydia Serrani. We have a great show. Absolutely. We and are... the sun is shining. Look, the, the sun is shining. Wow. The sun will come out As soon as you said Lydia. Yeah, you can see it right there, even on our studio. <laughs> Thank you, John, for these beautiful studios overlooking Midtown Manhattan. So it's gorgeous. We can see the sun come out. So we have a great show. We are going to have Congressman Lee Zeldin. He's going to be talking about the border crisis that's spiraling out of control, as well as the crime here in New York. We'll talk to John McLaughlin as Biden's polling numbers. Oh, boy, they are taking a nosedive. Dr. Mark Siegel about that pesky mask mandate. What is really going on with the masks? And then on the line with us right now is Professor Alan Dershowitz. Just a couple of decades at Harvard Law School and a Brooklyn boy at heart, a constitutional scholar. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Professor Dershowitz. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on, but I think I'm going to disagree with a lot of you today because uh, I'm not thrilled about uh, a single judge being able to tell all the airlines and all the trains that uh, people can uh, avoid wearing masks. Uh, You know, this is a case where the rights of the people who don't want to wear masks, and they have rights, are pitted against the rights of people who don't want to travel on trains and planes without both sides being masked. Because if two people are masked, if the whole if the whole train or the whole plane is masked, you're much less likely to get COVID than if just you're yourself masked. So I don't think the court took into account enough the rights of travelers who want to travel in masked uh, planes or trains. So I know you'll have some disagreement about that, but uh, I'm not enthusiastic about that court decision that so many conservatives yeah, but aren't. It doesn't mean, Alan, it doesn't mean that the person – uh, that wants to wear a mask, uh, can't. It's not against the law to yeah. wear it. No, but I want you to wear a mask, too, if you're sitting next to me. That's the difference. I want you to wear a mask, because not for your sake. You can do what you want to do at home. But if you're flying on an airplane next to me, and, and they seat you right next to me, and you're coughing or sneezing or breathing hard, um, I want to wear a mask. I'll probably wear a double mask, but I want you to wear a mask, too. Maybe we have to go back to the old days. Remember, there was smoking and non-smoking sections on planes, and then the government said no. Was that a force? No. If, you, if you remember <laughs> back, it was that the biggest force in the Abs- world? Absolutely. Of course. Of, of course. course. And then they abolished it because they basically said there are two rights, the right to smoke and the right not to be smoked at. And they basically ruled that the right not to be smoked at overrides the right to smoke. You know, it was John Stuart Mill who basically said a long time ago, your right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. The right to smoke your cigarettes uh, ends at the tip of my nostrils. And the question is, does your right to cough and convey um, a very serious illness, particularly to older people, does it uh, allow you not to wear a mask? It's a hard question. And uh, I'm not saying there's a simple answer to it. 
I'm just saying that, you know, it's very complicated and there are rights both ways. And by the way, Alan, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. I'll, I'll tell you, in New York City they're already, and New York State, they're already taking the position that on mass transit, whether it's the subway, whether it's the buses, whether it's the commuter lines, whether it's in Penn Station, Grand Central, Port Authority, whether you're in a cab, you have to wear the mask. Well, that's, you know, every, every institution has the right essentially to make its own decisions. I mean, you can imagine a court saying that you can't make somebody um, wear a mask. They didn't say that. All they said, all this judge said was that the uh, mandate from the federal government didn't satisfy the Administrative Procedure Act. Very technical. As Which Judge Weinberg calls. That, yeah. <laughs> Put a mask on. Water. Put a mask on. I didn't blow any smoke in his face. Get him out of here. Professor, <laughs> we have to have masks in the studio. Should we have masks in the studio, Professor? Every airline has the right to make its determination. Uh, and some airlines until this morning, I think they now have all said you don't have to wear masks. But an airline can still say, American Airlines can still say, if you want to fly American instead of Delta, you have to wear a mask. They haven't said that. But the decision doesn't preclude that. So, you know, I think it's very complicated and very difficult. And um, look, I don't go to restaurants in which people don't wear masks. Uh, I eat outside. That's my choice. Um, But when I have to fly somewhere, uh, I don't have much of a choice. I can't take my car, you know, to California. So um, it's complicated with airlines. And, uh, and, you know, the, the, the Biden administration probably won't appeal because President Biden just now announced that uh, it's the policy of the Biden administration. You do what you want. If you want to wear a mask, you wear it. If you don't want to wear a mask, All right, you don't wait, wear it. Wait, wait. Guy, next, next subject. Uh, Professor yeah. Dershowitz. What else? I, what, give us another Lydia has subject. a good one. Oh, Professor Dershowitz, so you could relate to this topic. The libs of TikTok. Have you heard about that Twitter account? She, it appears to be a woman. She remains anonymous. She has been posting a lot of these videos that have been taken by some of these teachers and educators, what they've been doing with the children in the classrooms regarding critical race theory, transgenderism. Well, now the Washington Post is basically trying to dox her. Now, what does dox mean? It's a new phrase, kind of like woke. They want to reveal her identity and get her effectively canceled. So when the reporters are coming to her front door or her relatives' doors, she's been taking pictures and doxing them. The the reporters, and the, they're going back and forth saying that they're being cyberbullied. What do you think about all of this going on? Well, the Washington Post should be in favor of everybody's free speech. It shouldn't be in favor of docking anybody. It shouldn't be in favor. Uh, you know, they, they, they have their own. They, they, they claim a journalist privilege not to reveal the names of sources. And what? Suddenly they want to reveal this. It, it sounds hypocritical. But, but so, so the Washington Post is being hypocritical. Should anybody be surprised? Hypocrisy is our national slogan these days. Everybody is hypocritical. I'll give you another example to go back just for one second. Now, all the liberals are saying, one judge? How can one federal judge tell everybody in the United States what they have to do about masks? About a year ago, two years ago, it was the conservatives who were making that argument. They were saying, one judge? How can one judge possibly tell us what immigration policy should be and all that? So both sides have been hypocritical when it comes to what a judge can tell us what to do. I don't believe one judge should ever be able to tell everybody in the country what to do. That's why we have appellate courts and that's why we have the Supreme Court. Uh, Absolutely. And another topic, I saw the San Antonio mayor, 
He's saying that the ability to meet the humanitarian aid for migrants coming across the border will be extremely limited if Title 42 is rescinded. I, I mean, what what can these mayors do at all, all along the border as the migrants keep flowing in, especially if Title, Title 42 is rescinded at this point? Well, it's a very complicated question because under the United States Constitution, immigration is a federal matter, but it affects the states. You know, immigration isn't a big deal in Missouri, but immigration is a very big deal in uh, in Texas and in Arizona and in New York and in California. When you have states that are on the border, obviously, uh, cities and states should have greater impact uh, input into the flow of immigration because, you know, when they come over the border, they don't go to uh, Minnesota. They go to, uh, you know, San you know, they go to someplace in, in, in Texas or someplace it's worse, in, in Alan, California. It's yeah, worse yeah. than that because what they've been doing, what the Biden administration has been doing, is they've been flying these people in to Westchester and to, to Long Island. So in other words, they're dropping yeah. them off. So it's not just the border states that are impacted. It's everybody because wherever yeah, they yeah. they put these planes in the middle of the night, they don't give anybody a heads up. But their hospitals, too, at the border, they're overwhelmed. Everything is overwhelmed at the border. These people, I mean, John Katzmatidis, we're pro-immigration, pro-immigration. We're pro-immigration, yes. But not illegal immigration. Not no, illegal. no, 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 I am pro-immigration. I don't care if it's illegal, really. As long as we have checks and balances, who's coming and going? Right. You need to vet yeah. them. You need to make sure that they're not terrorists. You need to look at their criminal records, make sure they don't have COVID. Um, we have, we should have a process in place. Yes. COVID. Yeah. Now, you know, you, could you imagine letting people in that are sick? They're going to make American people sick? What if they're terrorists? Yeah. What if they're sex traffickers they, they or drug dealers? What if they're you, one of the terrorists? You heard about those 23 terrorists that were, were caught. How about the ones that weren't caught? You know, Look, you know, Alan, this is crazy. Right to keep people out if they're going to endanger the people that are in the country. Obviously, we, we favor immigration, but you have to put the interests of the people who are in the country at the very top of, of the list and protect them from uh, violence and protect them from uh, contagious illnesses. Look, uh, I remember my grandfather uh, brought 28 members of our family out of Czechoslovakia just days before the Nazis invaded. And it was the proudest moment of his life to create affidavits and give them all jobs and save their lives. Immigration is the heartbeat of America, but it has to be done in an orderly and legal and, and proper way. But you also have to look at the social aspects of it because we're bringing all of these people in with children. The schools are overcrowded already in some of these areas. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where well, are we going to school them? You think we're in bad shape? Look yeah. at what's going on in Poland. Yeah. <laughs> Poland and, and the countries right outside of Ukraine, and they are suddenly have 4 million immigrants. Uh, they're going to be there temporarily, hopefully, but you never know. I mean, you know, the, the world in that part of the country has been inundated with immigrants, and thank God for that. Thank God that they've been allowed out of the country and their lives have been safe. We now see that in, in Kiev, um, uh, hundreds of people have been executed, murdered, uh, execution style by Putin. And yet you get some crazy people in this country, crazy people who support Putin and who are against the Ukrainians. I can tell you on my podcast, I get emails all the time from people saying Putin's right. Putin's great. Why are you attacking Putin? The Ukrainians are the criminals. They're the Nazis. These are Americans who are saying that. And tell we, us about we your live podcast. In a very again. weird country. 
Professor Dershowitz, your podcast, tell everybody, uh, of course, they have to listen to it after Cats at Night. After. Don't ever leave the Cats <laughs> show to listen to my podcast. That's why we have it on tape. It's called The Dirt Show. And uh, you can get it anytime after 6 o'clock. But I won't let you listen to it between 530 and 6. It's on Rumble. And here's another topic for you that you can also relate to. Johnny Depp, you know, the famous actor, he is suing oh, yeah, his ex-wife yeah. for defamation. And he lost a lot of roles, this and that. And come to find out, even their marriage counselor said that Amber Heard was beating up on him. How interesting. Are you shocked by this? I, I am not shocked by anything that happens in this context. As you know, um, I'm fighting for my own reputation because a woman uh, who admits, oh, this, this is very interesting, this woman who accused me, we now found out that in uh, four years before she accused me, she was asked by a journalist, well, what about Alan Dershowitz? She said, who's he? I don't know who he is. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. I don't know who he is. And then four years later, after meeting her lawyer, she remembers having sex with me on how many occasions and how many places that I wasn't. But when after the events occurred, she said uh, uh, on tape that wow. she didn't know who I was and uh, and couldn't say yes or no, couldn't 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 comment. She doesn't know anything. So, you know, when it comes to Johnny Depp, who knows? I mean, you know, the idea that the courts have to get involved and go into people's bedrooms and figure out the dynamics of a relationship make it so difficult. It does make it difficult. But, I mean, women should be believed, but they should also be telling the truth. We should believe the facts, whether it be a man or a woman. Just believe the facts. Go. That's what John always says, right? Facts don't care about your feelings. We just care about the truth. Now, the salt. Salt here in New York, especially people like me that live in Westchester County and you have a home out in the suburbs are getting killed by the taxes. And thanks to President Trump, former President Trump 2018, that all went away where you could put it down on your taxes. So is there any chance at all that salt would come back? It looks like there, uh, is. there is. I mean, it's the Supreme Court didn't handle the case on the merits. It just said we're not deciding, as Justice Brandeis once said, the most important thing that justices do is to decide not to decide. And they just didn't decide the case. And, you know, there'll come a time when they may decide the case. It's a very complicated constitutional case, the relationship between federal and state taxation. It's not something the framers really thought about uh, very hard. And so the Supreme Court is ducking the issue for the moment, but eventually they're going to have to decide it. Well, you, you know what? This is Craig Eaton, Professor. And, and the, the big problem now is you look at the real estate market, the 30-year yeah. mortgage rates are almost at 5%. Um, yeah. So you see that the market is, is the dynamic of the real estate market is changing significantly because people are looking to, to flee New York City for the suburbs. Now, with the interest rates going up, the mortgage rates are going to go up. So they're going to need course. that relief from the salt. No question. There's no question about that. And, you know, we're, we're about to possibly have a recession. Goldman Sachs, Bank of America are all predicting a recession. And so you have to protect yourself and protect your family's investments and, and uh, keep inflation down and, uh, you know, make sure we don't suffer from a major recession. If we had a recession together with COVID, together with the war in Ukraine, I mean, could things get worse? The answer is, yeah, they could get worse. You know, in Israel, they say the difference between a pessimist and an optimist. A pessimist is one who says, oy vey, things are so bad, they can't get worse. And the optimist says, yes, they can. <laughs> that is very true. Well, thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz. I know you have to go. Thank you so yeah. much, sir. Thank you for always, always coming on the show. And 
Tell them the truth. Now, when we uh, come back after the break, we're going to speak with Congressman Lee Zeldin. He's a candidate for New York governor. He's going to be talking more about the border, the crime. We're going to talk about that guy that had 27 arrests under his belt and was simply let out by the district attorney. He attacked another five people in a half hour span. Then McLaughlin and Dr. Mark Siegel. So much more right here on Cats at Night. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. While we wait for Congressman Lee Zeldin to give us a call, we're going to talk about the crime. Let's give you some statistics, everybody. Grand Larceny's underground have spiked 110% in the first couple of months. Overall, major felonies have also skyrocketed. It's getting out of control. And like, John, you were saying this morning when you were on with uh, Sid Rosenberg, how do you expect to open back New York City if you can't get the subways and the streets safe? Well, how do you open up New York City if you the subway? You're absolutely right. I mean, those are the two criteria. And uh, we had Tish James today at the uh, Police Athletic League lunch, and I asked the same thing. And what did she say? Can you can you tell us? I'd like to hear from Lee. Yeah, let, let's uh, – I mean – the recent case was this guy, LaVon Davis, 32 years old, 27 arrests. He was just busted for something else. Rather than he was sentenced to three years, they let him out on conditional well, release. Let me, let me tell you another problem that's going on. On top of everything else, the city council and state legislature have done to undermine law enforcement and prosecutions and judges' discretion. On top of everything else they've done, they have new bills in the legislature to get early release people based on their age. No matter what the crime they committed, with the exception of murder, they want to let you out. They want to let you out when you hit 55. So if you're an armed bank robber who's done serial robbers and you're in for a long stretch, you hit 55, all of a sudden you get a magic key to get out? I mean, how foolish That's is incredible. that? And Judge, where, where's the justice to that person that he killed or that woman that he sexually assaulted? She doesn't She doesn't get any, any relief. Of course not. But, they live with those scars for the rest of their lives. Well, and the people that died, they're dead. Right. <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, at some point, like, John, I mean, I hate to say it about any human being. At what point do you say, got to throw away the key? You know, these people, there's so many crimes. Well, so- I've said that to those politicians yes. in Albany. I said, is it after, it used to be three crimes and you're out. Is it four? Is it 10? Is it 15? I mean, and I'm talking about vicious crimes. I'm talking about violent crimes. Right. And, and, and they can't, and sometimes you can't sink it through some of these people's heads. And I just saw out in Long Island that this drug dealer, he's getting some he's he's facing some major felonies because he sold drug laced with fentanyl and his customers then right. overdosed and died and died. Is it the drug dealer's fault? I mean, at this point, when are we as a government going to take responsibility well, for what's Ray coming Tierney, across the border? Ray Tierney, who's the district attorney in Suffolk County, actually prosecuted and just won that first conviction under the sale case of, of the fentanyl drug that right. killed somebody. And that's a, that's a big deal. But your point is, is a much larger point. The, the border crisis is an enormous consequence because fentanyl is coming in by the buckets and buckets and buckets. And it doesn't take that much fentanyl to wipe out tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people. And the border is unprotected. The Biden administration is doing nothing to protect the border. And they're about to jump on this bandwagon of letting out 40, Article 42 – Title 42, get rid of it, 
And then you have no protection, so the numbers are drastically increased on the border. And they say it's no big deal. But it is a big deal because they're destroying this country by the open border. But even with Title 42, we're seeing record numbers. What, it was like 200,000 migrants just last month alone were expected to hit almost 6 million. And soon, I mean, but it, this is incredible. This is out of control. Do you lock your door at night, Craig Eaton? Do yeah, you lock yes. your door at night? Uh, yes, I do. Judge Weinberg, yeah, you how about to, you, John you Katz? And, but, but you know what? I, I always lock my door. I live in New York. So then, but <laughs> even if you live in the middle of nowhere, you're going to lock your door, and that's what we need to do. We're not saying these people are bad. We're just saying we don't know who you are, and you have to go through the process, just like my my parents did, and all of our other relatives have. That's why we're here. But Lydia, just look on the street. Look on the street. Um, one block, I walked one block to get here, mid, middle of midtown Manhattan, and there were four homeless people set up. I mean, it's getting it's getting crazy on the street. Again. It's getting crazy. But one man who wants to change all that and bring New York back to its former glory is Congressman Lee Zeldin, who is running for Republican candidate of governor. Welcome, Lee Zeldin, back to Cats at Night. Hey, always great to be with you. So talk to us. What can what can be done? If you were the governor and you could wave a magic wand, how could you get our city back safe? We have to secure our streets and our subways. We need to see cashless bail repeal. Judges should have discretion to weigh dangerousness and flight risk and pass criminal record and seriousness of the offense on all offenses when setting bail. I believe that district attorneys like Alvin Bragg, who refuse to enforce the law, should be fired. We should be unapologetically backing the blue. Uh, We have men and women who are putting their retirement papers and morale is sinking because elected officials who should have their back don't. Uh, There is so much more. I mean, this is just a a few of the ideas that come to mind. I'll mention one more. uh, I saw Governor Hochul sign less is more last summer, and when she was doing it, she released 191 people from Rikers Island early And a bunch of them immediately went out and committed additional offenses. I want to see our streets belonging to law-abiding citizens, not criminals. We should be uh, putting the handcuffs on criminals instead of the justice system. Uh, And it really needs to start on day one. This is not what can you accomplish in your first term. We don't have that kind of time. It's what can you do on the first day in the first few months. Right. And Mayor Adams, his anti-crime unit that went out, what was it like in two weeks? They rounded up a bunch of individuals. Seventy percent of the people they arrested were repeat offenders. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about these career criminals. That's where all these gang shootings are happening. That's why you had the 11 year old who 11 month old, excuse me, who was shot in the face in the Bronx, the 12 year old who was shot to death in Brooklyn. I mean, how many more people have to die? The 22 year old woman in the Bronx that was shot in the head. It's enough is enough. They keep talking about the black and brown suspects. What about the black and brown victims? Yeah, and when I hear somebody like Governor Hochul or others say that they still need data and that there there isn't enough data, you just provided what some people might want to refer to as data. These are lives. These are real victims. They have families. But you can count up the press clippings that are sitting there on your desk to read of the stories of the repeat offenders. And as you know, you're referencing some of the crimes regarding guns and you know, talking about illegal firearms is a, a conversation worth having to figure out how to better crack down on that. At the same time, there are a whole lot of people who are victims 
of crimes that have nothing to do with firearms. And we have you know, someone who gets pushed in front of an oncoming subway car and loses their life or is stabbed to death in their apartment in lower Manhattan or punched because they're Asian or wearing a yarmulke and Jewish or a Sikh cab driver. You're a small business owner having to experience looting and feeling like the system isn't there to protect you. There is so much uh, that that really is getting lost in the conversation when people are singularly focusing on firearms. Congressman, this is Craig Eaton. Uh, what about the woman who got hit in the head with a hammer just because she was walking to work? She mm-hmm. was walking down a subway station and got hit with a hammer 10 times, I think. Walking down the subway, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, another another example. And, uh, you know, for some people, they might want to refer to that as a piece of data for their decision. <laughs> uh, you know, these aren't stats. These these are way beyond that. And these are lives. And, and by the way, you know, I've seen the entire Asian-American community rally together in a show of, of unity and force where an attack on one is an attack on, on all of them. And they they're really like when they get together for a candlelight vigil to mourn the loss of one of their own it's it's not just one mm-hmm. there are and and it's all different kinds of crimes uh targeting their own and i mean they, i just feel like any of any politician any elected official anyone who is out there who's supposed to be a community leader if if they can't work up the courage to take on a, a far-left activist base and say, you know what, you know, damn the torpedoes, as Admiral uh, Farragut saying, and we're just going to do what needs to get done to secure these streets. There's just too much tap dancing around and, and trying to pander or not upset the far left. And I, you know, I don't care what party you are. Uh, I want you to be successful in being able to stand up to those elements out there because, you know, it, you end up empowering, elevating, embracing those voices if you don't challenge them. Judge Weinberg? Uh, Congressman, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I have to tell you, what upsets me most of all, and I'm, I'm the House Democrat, is the leadership of the State Assembly and the leadership of the State Senate who absolutely positively put window dressing on this bail reform bill and this free discovery, open file discovery and they raise the age, and they keep saying what a wonderful job they've done to clean it up, and they're looking for the data, and they have no responsibility to the innocent people and who are walking down the streets and riding our subways. As governor, how would you handle people like that? Listen, there's a time for government and a time for politics. The election comes November 8th. They decide who they want around our state representing us in the state Senate and the state assembly, and you have to try to figure out how to work together to find common ground however possible. You take inventory of who your allies are. If you're trying to make a change to cashless bail, Mayor Adams is somebody who says that we need to go further. Well, great. Maybe he could help in calling up some of the people in, in his own party. You just you figure out how to br- build uh, coalitions to be able to get it done. And there's different leverage points, uh, as you know. Um, I hope that people who get elected – uh, you know, maybe there's a, a very blue seat where they're going to be electing a Democrat to the state Senate or the state assembly this November. If they have a choice, hopefully they pick the same rational one for, for that. I mean, we, we see that people want balance. They want common sense. They want sanity restored to Albany. 
And it's important whenever possible to find common ground to be able to move forward. I, I remember walking uh, Fifth Avenue, St. Patrick's Day Parade. I saw Lydia there. She was working hard, interviewing people on the side uh, of uh, of, the, of Fifth Avenue. Wouldn't be uh, – wasn't surprised at all to see her out there. But I'll tell you, as I was walking that entire route, you had – uh, state legislators in front of me, Democrats and Republicans, and people shouting out the entire time for, for dozens of blocks about cashless bail, about yep. public safety. They're crying out. Uh, so hopefully they're hearing these voices and they realize when we win this race in November, it's it's not just about one race. You, know, you have to think, why did he win it? Well, one of the reasons why we are going to win this race is because people want to see more done. That's something for people to to think about who are there currently, who may still be there, that they need to reassess their own ways. What's a definition of insanity? Oh, yeah, exactly. And we see it keep happening over and over again, doing the same exact thing. And it, it actually, we haven't even hit rock bottom. Things can get worse in Albany. Uh, you know, and, and as you reference Raise the Age, you hear judges talking about how uh, that's impacting their way to deliver justice, and it has the opposite effect on some of these kids. The discovery laws uh, that has uh, our law enforcement all wrapped up in in paperwork and scrambling rather than out on the streets doing doing their job. Yeah, I would say there's a whole lot of examples of insanity is actually getting worse, not better. You know, Congressman, we need to get people out to vote. That's part of the problem because everyone screams and complains in New York. But if you look at the mayoral elections we've had over the last two cycles, no one votes in the city and state of New York. So, you know, what? we need to these people need to step up. They need to look at the candidates. They need to look at the issues and they need to fight for us. I think people I think Republicans have like a negative connotation, unfortunately, and it's perpetuated by the media. And what I hope people will do in November is not vote along party lines, but vote for the best person. That's why I'm a registered independent, because it doesn't matter if you could be the greatest person ever and you're a Democrat or you could be a horrible candidate and you're a Republican. So is that what you're hoping for, Congressman Zeldin, that at the end of the day, people will just vote for somebody that has common sense and wants to bring New York back? A hundred percent. And I've been spending a lot of time with the Asian American community in Flushing and Chinatown and Brooklyn with the black pastors and their first ladies in Sunnyside with Hispanic voters in the South Bronx and Russian voters in Brighton Beach. And we just keep going all throughout the city and we're going to keep doing that for the next seven months. There are communities and groups that have been voting loyally Democrat. And I'll tell you, if it, what I'm seeing is that people are having their vote taken for granted. Make everybody earn your vote. Don't just give a person your vote because that's the way it's always been. You know, They need to show up and earn it. it. It's important to show up to earn someone's support, but it's important to keep showing up to earn keeping their support. Uh, and there's an important decision to make for, for New York voters right now. And uh, I, I feel like if we continue with one-party rule and outsized power of self-described socialists with a lack of balance up in Albany, I, I fear that more people are going to be leaving New York for other states where they feel like the, the money that they have is going to go further and they'll feel safer and they'll live life freer. And 
I just don't want to see this mass exodus. I don't want to see New York leading the country in population loss. I want to see the, a strong argument being made, not just for people to stay, for, but for businesses and jobs to move here and, and industries to grow and prosper. There's so much opportunity in this state right now that is untapped. And unfortunately, the decisions up, up in Albany are making New Yorkers hit their breaking point and decide, you know what, that's it. It's too much. I'm gone. Lee, thank you so much uh, for coming on, and we'll have you on again real soon. And uh, good luck. And uh, look, we want law and order in our city and our state, and uh, and we need somebody that's strong enough and has the courage to do it. And thank Amen. you again. Thanks, John. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, John McLaughlin. He has some incredible polling numbers. It looks McLaughlin, like... McLaughlin, McLaughlin. That's what yeah. I said, John McLaughlin. I don't know John who Ma- said it right or who said it wrong. I'm, we'll Is ask it a McLaughlin John. or McLaughlin. McLaughlin. We'll ask, we'll ask John like, when he comes back. Like, like Victor McLaughlin, the actor. That's John McLaughlin. Right. We'll be right back. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. So we got the question of all questions. John McLaughlin or is it McLaughlin? He is the poster of all posters. How are you, sir? Well, if you're from the Bronx, I think it's McLaughlin. So, uh, but anyway, I was. Well, wait, 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 you're from the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx, but you got to agree with the boss. How is the proper way to say? It? Maybe like the Gaelic way. I don't know. What's the Irish way? And Woodlawn McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh, anyway, it got might have gotten a little softer when we moved to the suburbs. Tell, tell us, but, tell us what the numbers are. I mean, uh, who you know who's wagging what dog? Well, well, right now nationally, I mean, Joe Biden can't get out of the ditch. I mean, because you know you're reading these stories, and John, you're the oil expert. Uh, it's the price of gas may have dropped a little, but they're saying it's going to go up before Memorial Day, and his numbers you know, have been underwater since he surrendered Afghanistan. And then with the price of gas going up nationally on the real clear politics average, he's at 41 approved. That's what we had in January, February, March. And we that's what we have in April. And uh, his disapproval is at 52. So it's waned a little as as the gas price went down a little. But he better be drilling for oil real fast because the Democrats, when you look at the number of seats that are up in Congress, and and I sent to Lydia a little while ago, Biden's pollster, John Anzalone, who's a very good pollster, said this is the worst political environment in 2022 that he's ever seen, which means that they're talking about not losing a few seats. They're talking about out of like with these ratings, they have like, you know, like the Gonzalez report and Cook report. They have like 70 seats in play. It's more like 100. They could lose easily 40 to 50 seats, maybe 60 seats. What about the Senate, John? Well, the Senate, there's more Republicans that are up. But when you look at the Senate, you got four Democrats in big trouble. Warnock is losing to Herschel Walker right now in Georgia. You've got uh, I've seen polls where uh, uh, Adam Laxalt is leading Cortez Masto in Nevada. You have uh, uh, Mark Kelly is very likely to lose to a guy named Jim Lehman, who I work for, um, full disclosure, just like I work for Lee Zeldin, who was on this, and Lee's doing great because Joe Biden's doing great things for us. But, Kel- but Kelly could lose to Lehman. And then you got Hassan. She dodged the bullet when Governor Sununu decided not to run, but Hassan's in New Hampshire, and she's in a tight race under well under 50 against whatever Republican comes out of their primary. And then you can have 
the ambush, the sign of a wave election where Blumenthal is in trouble in Connecticut. And I'm working full disclosure for Leora Levy and Blumenthal, uh, you know, people just they, they haven't forgotten that he lied about going to Vietnam. They're, they're not getting the truth. They're very upset about the price of gas and cost of living. And, you know, people, John, when we talked about on the show, they go to the supermarket, they buy food and they're paying a lot more than they did last year. And they're not liking it. Also, we could pick up Colorado or Bennett. Bennett won a very close election last time. So uh, so the Democrats could lose probably between four and six, maybe seven Senate seats. And uh, the Republicans could pick up 40 to 60 House seats. But the only thing the Democrats have going for them now is we're about just over 200 days from Election Day, which is enough time for the Republicans to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. So we'll see. But Biden's in big trouble. Yeah. John McLaughlin, I look at a lot of different websites and blogs, and one of them is like an urban website where, you know, predominantly most uh, African-Americans, they vote Democrat. And what I'm seeing consistently there is they're complaining about the the direction the country is going. They're not happy with President Biden. 30, what is it, a 33% approval rating. However, they say over their dead body, will they vote for Trump? And they would rather see DeSantis in there. What are you hearing? Well, well, actually, again, I've worked for Trump in both elections. And Trump in our polls is ahead of, he's leading Biden by three or four points. He's leading uh, Kamala Harris by nine, 10 points. He's leading Hillary Clinton by 10 or 11 points. He would win re-election right now. It would be a landslide. But the election is not till 2024. But uh, and the Republicans, he's way ahead of any Republican, including DeSantis in the primaries nationally. So but there's a lot of time. First, we have to take the Senate and the House. We have to elect governors like Lee Zeldin. We have our work cut out for us over the next 200 days to make sure that, you know, we, we win this year. And then after we win this year, we can go on to win 2024. But this year, because of Joe Biden's failures, whether it's the cost of living, inflation, foreign policy, national security, crime, they're talking about another invasion at the border where basically Texas and Arizona are going to have to put their National Guard on the border to keep from being overwhelmed. I mean, there's, there's immigrants coming in where the number of illegal immigrants in a month equal like a lot of large cities. It's, they're talking about 200, 300, 400,000 people. So, um, you know, if that happens, the Democrats are in big trouble. And you'll see not only some more African-American votes for Republicans, you will see uh, Hispanic votes where, you know, maybe instead of 34 percent like Trump got last time, it'll be over 40 percent. Bush in, in 2004 got 44 percent of the Hispanic vote. It could, so we could make major inroads among Asian-Americans, Hispanics, African-Americans, and uh, the Republicans could, you know, basically build a new coalition out of this year. But they have to stand for things and they have to keep on drawing a contrast with the failed Democrat policies. But, but John, you know what? It, I mean, people have this is Craig. People have serious concerns about Biden's ability to lead and to continue mm-hmm. as president. I mean, when you see him go out in public. He's disoriented. Sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing. He puts his hand out to shake, shake someone's hand. Did you see no the there. Easter Bunny was. I mean, it, you know, as, as an American, I want our president to be successful. Yes. I want the economy to grow. But you know, people look at him, and it, it's scary. Yep. Yeah, but what's scarier yeah. still is if they, they remove him under the Twenty Fifth Amendment, 
No, we don't no, want to remove him. We no, do not want to remove him. No, but he fails. We <laughs> no, no, fail as a, as a country. <laughs> no, we love him then. We love yeah, him. We love right. him. Keep showing. Keep showing. But, but it, it's, it's scary. I mean, like you said before, we have to win. I mean, winning in 2022 isn't an option. We need to win. If we don't if win we in don't 2022, win, we're, in deep, we're, we're, in, we're in deep trouble. We really are. Yep. Everybody's in yep. deep trouble. How do these state legislative yep. races look, John? State legislative race. I mean, when when you look at, I mean, if if you're referring to the well, across, like here in New York. Well, go ahead. Tell me about New York and then elsewhere, please. Well, you, when you looked at New York, the way the Democrats dealt with redistricting, where they went all out for big gerrymander, they they were they know they were in trouble. But even then, I've got a candidate in uh, New York for Anthony D'Esposito in the open seat that uh, Congresswoman Rice is stepping down from. The Republicans ahead. And there we won in the assembly, the special assembly race. The Nassau County Republicans won two to one. They made national news in a Democratic district. We're winning Democratic districts. The head of the, the Democratic campaign committee is going to uh, Sean Patrick Maloney is going to be in a close race with an assemblyman, uh, Colin Schmidt, even though they redrew lines that they think are good for him. So uh, the Democrats went all out to screw the Republicans. Yeah, they're they they're in court to tomorrow again before the appellate division on tomorrow's the 20th. Now, John McLaughlin, have you heard anything about Andrew Cuomo running as as an independent and where he would stand in the race against Hochul? I would be the last one they would tell, but... No, but you have a lot of friends also on the other side of the aisle, so I said maybe he might know something. You'll know, you know, he'd have to get petitions signed, tens of thousands of petitions. So if he does do that, you'll sooner or later you'll hear about it that somebody's carrying petitions for him someplace. Um, the session started already, hasn't it? For the, uh, I think it might have been today, yeah. could have been yesterday, but yeah. but it's it's uh, it's one of those things where um, it's not going to be a secret if he does do it. And he spent millions of dollars of ads recently, you know, talking about his record as governor. Um, and that Daily is, News you know, article I, too, and he's come out yeah. against uh, cashless bail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope he would run because then it would be interesting to watch him and debate him debate Governor Hochul as to who was really responsible during COVID uh, with the nursing home scandals and the other things. We might finally hear the truth. But the corruption in New York is uh, the Democrats, you know, not not present company, you know, excused from this because <laughs> you, you. you were Thank honest, you, common sense Th- people. Thank you, but, John. But, but there's a, the corruption in New York State is unbelievable. When you think about it, you had a lieutenant governor who was arrested who's still on the ballot. Lee Zeldin has a lieutenant governor who's he picked somebody who's, you know, all her life enforced the law with Allison Esposito. And the Democrats have a lieutenant governor who broke the law. So it's it's well, and it's, an it's unbelievable. Uh, right. Right. I, uh, that's true. But uh, but in the meantime, he's still on the ballot so the voters can vote. And in the, and you've got questions about, you know, the ethics of the, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills should get a stadium. Great. But, you know, the, the might benefit the governor's uh, husband somehow with Delaware North. And you're looking at the You know, people are tired of the corruption in New York. And that's the real challenge. If Andrew Cuomo to run again, uh, Kathy Hochul's trying to run away from it. Um, well, I hope he does run because then he'll kick. Hochul and a Republican will win. Maybe like Zelton. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where you know we'll see. But the the debate and the election is good. And if he does run, 
Um, you know, he if he runs, he's you know Andrew Cuomo. I don't know him personally, but I've I've watched him, and if he runs, he's going to run to win. So uh, that'll be a tough race. It'll be a challenge, and uh, I think I'm working for the best candidate with Lee Zeldin. And uh, you know, we will uh, we will see. We'll welcome any challenge. But you know, when you consider where we were during COVID, and they were saying he was doing a great job, and then a year later they force him out. I mean, it's just uh, anything can happen, and we've got over 200 days between now and the election where the Republicans have a chance to really make a difference. And as Craig said, we don't have a choice. We have to win this year. I mean, we have to turn New York state around because, uh, you know, those of us that are here, I mean, the cost of living is so high. Uh, crime is out of control. People are Every, everything's out of, uh, everything's out of whack. And it's just, Lee Zeldin, thank you for uh, well, Lee Zeldin. Well, he works for Lee Zeldin, so you were right. Lee Zeldin's pollster. John, John McLaughlin, thank, thank you for uh, thank you for everything, and uh, we'll we'll catch up well, with you again soon. He was talking about Lee Zeldin. So. We're going to come yes. back with a Dr. Mark Siegel. We're going to talk more about COVID, the mask mandate, and also that Alzheimer's drug. We'll be right back. You're commuting home. Cats at night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. On the line for us right now is Dr. Mark Siegel. How are you, Dr. Siegel? I'm great. I'm sitting here, no mask in sight, but there's no one in the room with me, so I'm in really good shape. Uh, well, you know, Alan Dershowitz was very upset that, uh, the mask uh, that uh, about the mask thing. But I thought well, being me, on a plane let me tell you. is... So listen, I can't weigh in on a legal point of view on this. You got Judge Weinberg, you got uh, Alan Dershowitz, you got even Lee Zeldin, a top attorney, uh, the Craig only Eaton. candidate. Greg Eaton's a top attorney as well. By, by the way, Lee Zeldin, the only candidate for governor in recent history that doesn't have a sex scandal next to him. So you know, <laughs> like I said, Governor, Hochul, governor Hochul doesn't have one either. I should I should excuse her. But but look, but look, the, the the issue here is not what anyone's telling you. The CDC, my opinion, is they can actually have a they can have a guideline. It could be picked up as a requirement, a mandate. The real issue here is nobody was actually following it. So you go into an airport and people have a perfunctory mask, dirty, filthy cloth mask hanging off their chin. You're going onto a plane and the guy next to you is eating for the entire three hours and coughing. <laughs> I mean, it's completely absurd. So what was the point of a mandate anyway when it was really just politics? Because the public health of masks, I think they have some value. I think really high-quality masks have some value in crowded areas. Not as much on planes, by the way, where the HEPA filters really work well. But but there are places where I would wear one if you're, if you're in a high-risk group. But that, the mandate was an across-the-board slap on the wrist that was impossible to enforce, that made everybody more stressed out and anxiety-prone. Probably more heart attacks occurred from being attacked by the steward or the stewardess. So it, it was ridiculous. So the, the whole thing made no sense. Legally, I would suspect that they could do it. And meanwhile, uh, my toddler still has to wear a mask in school. I mean, it's kind of what is going on with this world. Well, aren't I mean, there negative impacts, doctor? Is your daughter on, still wearing it? Yes, on she still has to wear school? it. Kids I mean, five and well, under sure, have so to wear uh, it. Yes. Completely right that the toddler shouldn't have to wear it. That's First of all, they don't get nearly as sick, if sick at all, from COVID. Number two, uh, they get do have a big negative impact, not just from asthma or allergies, but socialization and learning. I mean, a, a, you know, a kid with a, t- a little tiny toddler with a tiny face, their entire face covered by an ill-fitting mask can't can't read 
or see anything. We're having tremendous delays in learning and mental and health speech. problems as and speech as a result of the handling of the pandemic. And nobody considers that. It's a narrow focus. And that's been the biggest problem. I'd love to put a mask on a couple of the politicians, right? I mean, if we're we shut them up. Them. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're not wearing them. They're no, but just to shut them up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 80-year-olds huddling, huddling together maskless. And then they, they look on a, on, a, on a cue card. It says, okay, take, you can put it on now for five seconds for a photo op. You know, I, mean, you know, they, they, I think, Doc, they think the problem is it's kind of a slippery slope because you have half the people that think COVID is a myth and it's made up and it, there's nothing to it. And then the other half think that everyone should be wearing masks and walking around in hazmat suits. So there's got to be yeah. some kind of, you know, mid, mid-level, you know, mid-ground here. But what do you think well, here's of the, the numbers? Mi- here's the middle ground. Yeah. The vaccines actually work in yeah. decreasing severe disease, although John doesn't want me to say how many you should take. They do have a value. I think the masks have much less value. I think it's a matter of personal responsibility at this point. I think if you have the vaccine or you had COVID, which is another mistake the government made, they won't talk about natural immunity. If you had COVID or you had the vaccine or you had both, you can pretty much go on with your life. And that's, the, that's where we are with this. And that's where we have to be. So uh, let, let's move on to another yes. subject. Yeah, Judge Weinberg, you had a question about that Alzheimer's drug. Right. Doctor, you know the controversy that's going on between the uh, the Medicare, Medicaid uh, office and the CDC about the Medicaid office setting aside the CDC's determination on, uh, on this Alzheimer's drug, this new drug that's been pushed? Yes, and I think uh, uh, if you're talking about the Casova, the Casova yeah. drug, the one that is being pushed by this guy that that, that the Times was writing about, completely bogus because it hasn't been properly studied. And I think what we're talking most about here is the zealousness that people have to get a drug for Alzheimer's because it's it's an enormous problem in the United States, uh, it, it affecting millions. If you include all the caretakers and everything, it's a tragic situation. But no, we don't have we don't have a proven uh, a proven drug. Now, the drug that the FDA approved, that drug is is the first of its generation of drugs that actually works against beta amyloid in the brain. And I do believe it should be covered by insurance and I do believe it should be covered by Medicare. Got a lot of side effects, has limited use, but it's but it's a groundbreaking drug. So I'm on the side of that. And uh, most importantly, today is Sid Rosenberg's birthday. Where are you taking him out? Well, there's no Nicks in sight. You know, the, the, by the way, there was somebody filling in for Sid the other day. Do you know Sid that was guy? Out filming, Sid was filming a gangster movie somewhere, and the guy filling in was excellent. excellent. Yes. Who was that guy co-hosted with Sid Rosenberg in the morning? Should he keep his job? Well, I think he. I think he. he, he you got to ask. You got to be nice to this guy if you want to keep your job. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent advice, Doctor. Thank you. <laughs> But, well, but you're... All, all kidding aside, he is a great host. But with Lydia by his side, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, what a combo. Thank you so much, Dr. Siegel. Well, we're just trying to get the truth out and get America back on track. That's all we're trying to do, John. That's right? all we're doing. And that people always text me. They say, can you please tell Katz he needs to save New York City? So, John, well, it's on your shoulders now. Hey, John, when are you taking us all out to dinner, by the way? Last time I asked, there was a wake. I, I had the worst timing in the world. But I <laughs> So many of our friends died lately. I, I, you know, me and the judge yes. went to a funeral of Charles Timmel, only you know sixty-eight Charlie, years yeah. old. Did you know Charlie? He was a, the head of uh, Jewish Community Relations Council, a, a giant of a man, one of the most wonderful and people. Yeah. In the and world. today, I heard that uh, uh, Mark Jacobson died, the, the guy in the trucking business, right? And Warren Estes. We're out of time. Far judge. more people die of heart disease than die of COVID ever, and we have to remember that. We, we our, our focus is in the yes. wrong spot. 
Thank you so uh, Judge much, Weinberg, uh, Craig Eaton, thank you, Lydia Serenai, and John Katsimatidis. God bless New York. God bless America. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, John.